Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. And amen. Tell, turn to someone today, tell them how thankful you are to see them here at Word of Life. Just tell them how awesome they are. Just, I think you're awesome. Have you been working out? What is it? You just look, look good today. Uh, open up your Bibles if you brought them to the book of 1 Peter. If you didn't bring them, that's okay. We're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 5. And then today we are going to end this service doing what Christians and believers have been doing for thousands of years before us. Uh, we are going to take communion. Uh, and I am super excited about that. If you didn't get your elements at the end of the service, we'll have ushers who I'm sure can help you get those things. And we'll end with worship. Now, I know uh, at the end of a service when the lights go down, a lot of people think, oh, this is a great time to slip out and uh, beat the line for the children or beat the line for the, you know, the cafe or whatever it may be or just get out of the parking lot sooner. Uh, but I would encourage you to actually stay uh, for worship. Uh, and let's honor the Lord Jesus and the sacrifice that he has made for us. How many of you know Jesus was wounded for your transgressions? He was bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement of, of, of your peace was laid upon him. All we, like sheep, have gone astray, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus loved us enough to pay the price for our sins, and that means we can worship him like nobody's business at the end of this service because Jesus has been so good to each and every one of us. So a couple of weeks ago, I had a staff member recommend a book to me, and uh, I had, was just getting to know this staff member. They're kind of new, and I was kind of curious to see what they were reading that ministered so much life to them. I never heard of the author before, and so I went on Amazon, and I just ordered every one of the books uh, that he's ever written and uh, read one. And in reading, I'm like, this is good stuff, and I'll put it in the bookstore soon. Uh, make it like a book of the month or something like that. Great book. Uh, but anyway, in reading the book, I'm like, this is the perfect communion message. And I had it on my heart for communion, uh, to do communion coming up in the church because I, I like us as a church family and a church body to just do communion more. Uh, and uh, so I had it on my I'm like, that message would work. We'll schedule time, set it aside in October. We'll do communion. And so I already had the message, uh, which makes it easy. Uh, and this week, like, I'm resting and I'm doing a whole bunch of other work because it's like, all right, I got my message. Uh, it's already written out. It's already processed. I've already got my message. Uh, and I sat down yesterday to just kind of go over the notes, and I knew none of it was a rhema word. Like, not none, none of it was anything that I was supposed to share or communicate to anybody in this place today. I'm like, come on, God. Like, I know. Like, we, were, we walked with each other all week. Like, at any time, you could have arrested my heart. And he's like, I tried. I genuinely tried to arrest your heart and he kind of tell you to go a different direction. And he brought me back to a moment that happened Wednesday. On Wednesday, we had prayer, and after prayer, we had a communicators class. Didn't our young communicators do such a great job last week? Brian was at the 830 service. Well, isn't it amazing to see what God is raising up here at the church? 
so anyway, I just had it on my heart to, you know, empower these young communicators, give them a chance to practice their trades, and to teach them. Uh, so when they come up on stage, this is not the first time that they've done it. We're doing a lot of times in private and working on things like smiling while you talk and voice inflection and all of those other types of things. Uh, and so we were doing this time for filming. And, you know, it's like film three minutes for like a word on the way because uh, Blockbuster died. Isn't that sad, Blockbuster died? Like, that was one of the highlights of my life growing up. Like, you go to Little Caesars, you go to Blockbuster, they don't have the movie that you want, but it's okay because you wind up getting something that you actually find out that you like. I mean, it was like this beautiful thing, this synergistic relationship of like ups and downs, ups and downs, ups and downs, and then it died. Does anybody know what killed Blockbuster? Netflix, Netflix destroyed it, why? Because instead of you having to go to the store, uh, now the store's coming to you with all of this content. So we see that that trend is going all over uh, society in every way, shopping and everything else, but it's also true in church now that we have a whole bunch of people who are not just here today, but who are watching online. Like we've got Valerie from Jamaica, we've got Stacy from Chicago, we've got Brooke from Louisiana, as well as many others watching online today. Let's Let's give it up for all of them. Yes, we're thankful to have you. Uh, but we notice like this trend is changing where people aren't just waiting to come to church to engage in spiritual content. We need to take spiritual content to where the people are. And you know where the people are? They're on their phones. <laughs> that is where people are. And so we're trying to build as much content as possible, get that content to people, let them come to our app, website, YouTube channel that will launch, all of those types of things, and to be able to say, hey, I need encouragement on faith today or child training today or whatever whatever it may be, and you've got videos there that can help you walk through those things. So anyway, I need help putting out that content, so I'm like, film three minutes, we'll see how you do in front of camera. Uh, you can't take any takes, so if you mess up, you just mess up, uh, but try to get as much content as possible out. Uh, and so Tabitha, our worship leader, gets up. Aren't you thankful for Tabitha? She was leading the last song. Yes, she gets up and she starts talking about four lepers. And now, uh, I won't spoil it all because it was funny the way she kind of introduced it. Uh, but she was talking about the four lepers in the Old Testament uh, who surrendered. You remember this story? There was a famine in a city because an army had surrounded the city. The lepers live outside of the city, so they can't go into the city because they have leprosy. The city kicked them out. But they also can't move on from the city because this army has spread out around it and kill, will kill anyone one who kind of comes near. And so they're in this place where they're in a catch-22. It's like, if I go that way, I'll lose. If I go this way, I'll lose. And finally, one of the lepers said to the other one, like, uh, why sit here until we die? Like, this is ridiculous. You know, we're so afraid of dying that we're dying. And it's like, if we sit here, we're going to die too. And they said, let's just walk towards the enemy. And as we walk and surrender ourselves over to them, who knows, maybe they'll be merciful to us. Let us through, feed us, let us do something. And so little did they know that as they were walking towards God and walking towards this enemy in surrender, God got in their steps and made their steps sound like something that was far greater than it actually was. It spooked the enemy. They're like, this city has hired out an army to wipe us out. They all took off and ran and left so fast, they left all the goods, all the food, all of those things right in their tents. 
So the lepers get there in like this beautiful surrender of like maybe they'll be merciful, I'll just give up my life over to them. And little did they know that through their surrender, it brought blessing. Through their surrender, it brought a new life. Through their surrender, it brought all of this amazing things that would not have come through any other avenue than through surrender. And so there's no need for you to hear Tabitha's little message because I just preached the whole three minutes to you. I'll give her all the credit. That all came from Tabitha. Uh, but no, I'm kidding. Uh, not really. Uh, but uh, My point is, is I heard that. And I'm like, that's good. I'm like, good job, Tabitha. At the end, I'm like, you did great, Tabitha. But it spoke to me. Like it spoke this, this beauty of surrender, this sound of surrender, this moment of surrender, that this surrender brought blessing, this surrender brought a new life, this surrender paved the way for God to do something in their life and in the lives of others that he wanted to do all along, but he couldn't do it until somebody, somewhere, actually made a decision to surrender, And yesterday, I'm sitting there, and the Lord takes me back to that. He's like, when you heard that, something went off in your heart. I'm like, I know. I said, I thought it was for me. He's like, no, it is for you, but it's for everyone too. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I began to meditate on that. And man, in 20 minutes, I had a message. I love it when it happens that way. Let's look at it. First Peter chapter five and verse number five. First Peter five, verse number five. Likewise, you younger, we looked at this actually two weeks ago, you younger, submit yourselves, that sounds awesome, uh, unto the elders, yes, all of you be subject one to another, amazing, and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, that doesn't sound fun, but he gives grace unto the humble, that sounds pretty good. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, in a certain time. There's seasons to God. There's a rhythm to him. You breathe in, you breathe out. It's not always like rise and slay. Everything is awesome. There is a breath in. There is seed time. And then there is harvest time. There is a time for humility, and then there is a time for exaltation. And the time for exaltation is not all the time. It's not all the time. There's a time for it. There's a time for it. In Joseph's story, it says, when the time for his word came, the Lord brought him forth. Uh, So for 16 years, Joseph is living with a dream unfulfilled. And the whole reason why is because it wasn't time. He couldn't force it. You can't make it time. You can't change this. You can, you can get out there all day long and hope for, for colder weather. Uh, amen. Anybody hoping for colder weather? Let's keep up the prayers. But it's a seasonal thing. It's a seasonal thing. And there will come a time where the season changes. The natural world is born out of the spiritual world. To God, there is a timing. To God, there is a rhythm. Now, at the start, well, honestly, at the end of 2018, ironically enough, in October, 
the word of the Lord came to me. Now, I don't say that lightly, because I know a lot of people say stuff, and then it's like, ah, but I'm not that guy. I'm not like preacher hype guy. Uh, I legitimately am a pastor, and I want to be naturally uh, tuned into God in a way that is authentic to me and authentic to you. And the Lord just came on me. Like, I wasn't even anticipating it. I was just about to pray over lunch in a meeting that I was in, and the Lord came on me and started talking to me about this year, this time, this season. And what he really dealt with me about is that 2019 would be a year of humility. It would be a year of divine alignment, a year where not much would change on the outside, but a lot of things would change on the inside. A year where there would be a death of the old, particularly the death of old faces. And when I heard that, I'm like, oh gosh, a lot of people are gonna die. Uh, and I'm like, no, that's awful. And uh, the Lord kind of directed, he's like, no, no, no. Your face will change. There will be something inside of you that gets into alignment. There will be something inside of you that gets positioned, that gets ready. You remember the story of the virgins? Uh, how there were virgins, some were wise and some were foolish. The wise ones were ready for God. They were ready. They understood the season. They understood the time. They understood this event, it's not happening all the time. But there is a time when this event will come, and when this event comes, we want to be ready for it. And those who were ready for it got to see the promotion and those who were not ready for it did not get to see it. Do you know God has to have a reason for doing what he does in the lives of people? He's got to have a reason because God is not a respecter of persons. Do you know that about God? It's awesome about him. He is not a respecter of persons. There's nobody in here that God loves more than someone else. He loves you. Good night he loves you. It's ridiculous how much he loves us. It is, man. It's amazing. But he's got to have a reason. There's, there's got to be a reason why he was able to do something with Abraham that he wasn't able to do with Lot. There's got to be a reason why Saul disqualified himself and David got promoted. And it can't be God liked David more than Saul. And it can't be, ah, oh, well, David, you know, I just like him more than Eliab. And I know Eliab's kind of the oldest. And I know Eliab is kind of like the tallest and the strongest and all those things. But, eh, I just kind of have an affinity towards David. It can't be that way, or God would be a respecter of persons. God is not a respecter of persons, but please understand this. God is a respecter of other things. There are things that God hates. You read Proverbs, there are things God hates. He hates strife. He hates it. He, he hates tongues that dwell up evil and separate hearts and separate a person from a person. He hates, he hates a proud look, Proverbs says. There are things that God absolutely cannot stand. But then there are other things that he's absolutely a respecter of. God respects faith. It moves him. In fact, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Why? He respects faith. He honors it. It pleases him, it blesses him, and it enables him to move. Why? God respects faith. God respects forgiveness. It is absolutely impossible to walk in a spirit of forgiveness. Do you know, and not have God bless you. Do you know God respects giving? He absolutely respects giving. It moves him to move in our lives. God respects things. He is a respecter of things. He's no respecter of people. He loves everybody the same. 
But he can't bless everybody the same. He can't use everybody the same. He can't promote everyone the same. And the Lord's house, there are many vessels, some that will be used for ordinary things, but others who will be used for great work. And it's not because God likes one vessel more than another. It's because one vessel has made a decision to make himself fit for the master's use. All this is New Testament. This is a year of alignment, a season of alignment, a season of positioning, a season of inward change, a season of humility, a season where God is moving in our hearts, pruning things out of our lives, pruning people out of our lives, pruning motives out of our lives. And sometimes in moments like that, there are things that come up, uh, adversity, if you will, and that adversity comes up and while all of it's, God never causes some things, like sickness, disease, that kind of stuff, he never causes any of those things. But there are some times, like in Jonah's case, where a storm wakes us up to a truth we've been ignoring. And what's the truth? I'm not in alignment. There's something in me that has gotten off. There's something about this that has gotten off. And, and it wakes me up to I need to bring it back into alignment and humble myself under the mighty hand of God. And I really felt like that this would be a year where not a ton of people would see things on the outside change, but they would really feel like God was dealing with their hearts to move and shape some things on the inside that would position them for what God is about to do next. And I genuinely believe this, that 2020 is just a time for rapid acceleration where we see God do so much, so fast, that it absolutely, it, it makes us fall down on our knees like Peter did with a great multitude of fish and worship him because we see his goodness in the land of the living. I really believe that 2020 is a year of progress. It's a year marked by outward change and divine promotion for those who have made the inward change, for those who have humbled themselves and positioned themselves under the mighty hand of God, in due season there will be a promotion, in due season there will be a lifting. And here's the thing about humility is a lot of people have a definition for it that's not God's definition. You ever notice that two people can say the same thing and each one's got a different definition for it? Hot. When I say hot, I mean it'll burn you. When other people say hot, they may mean entirely, it could be that's a hot car, fast car. It could be anything. Uh, when people say love, sometimes our definition for love is different. Like I love hot pockets. Or, you know, it's like, Really? I can't stand them. They burn my mouth every time I, I eat them. They're so hot. The cheese spills out. Can't stand hot pot. You know, love is different. Like, love for us is like something that we can walk away from. But God's definition of love, it's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's a decision. And for humility, God uh, resists the proud. He gives grace unto the humble. Because of this, humble yourself, therefore, in the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time. What does humility look like? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's go over to Philippians. Philippians chapter two, and let's look in verse number 10. We're gonna see humility. I'm sorry, I said 10. We'll end on 10, uh, but we'll read all the way. Uh, we'll start in verse number four. Philippians chapter two and verse number four. It'll also be on the screens. It says, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, 
who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he did what? Humbled himself. How did he humble himself? He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, because of this, we would say, God also hath done what? Highly exalted him and given a name which is above every other name. Now, do you read what Peter wrote? Peter was the guy who walked with Jesus. He's like, here's something you need to know about God. God resists the proud. He gives grace unto the humble. Since God's resisting the proud and giving grace unto the humble, humble yourselves, therefore, into the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time. He will exalt you in due time if you humble yourself. Well, what does humility look like? How would one know if someone was humble or not? Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is not like, you know, I'll kind of hang out back here and let everyone else have the limelight. Here's what humility is. Obedience. He humbled himself and did what? Became obedient. Obedient even unto death. Now, this is what I want to major on. Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the word of the Lord, obedient even unto the death. And when he got to that place, and only then, only then, God highly exalted him and gave him a name that's above every other name. You see a fulfillment of 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 and 6, in the life of Jesus in Philippians 2 and verse number 10, when he becomes obedient, even unto death, God highly exalts him. Now this is interesting to me. Jesus, in this process of becoming obedient, it was incredibly hard on his flesh. Do you remember this story? You see something in Jesus that you don't see in the rest of the, the text that, that's written on him. Our Lord and our Savior, he's coming to this moment of becoming obedient to the point of death, and it is so hard on him because he does not want to do it. He, he comes to the Father, and he tells him, if there is any other way to do this, any other way besides crucifixion, any other way besides this, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will. And you know what he found out? There was no other way. That had to be done. He had to die and not just die. This is important. He had to die that way. So he gets that in his heart. He comes back to God. He's like, God, I know. I know what just happened there. But if there is any other way that, like, I cannot do this, like, we can do it another way, we can do it where it's not a crucifixion, where we can do it where it's not this hard, where we can just kind of walk away from this and do it another way. God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done in my life. God's like, there is no other way. Comes back a third time, says the same thing. This is our master. This is our Lord, our example. We are to look unto Jesus. The other day, I knew that the Lord, the Lord had, had been dealing with me about some of these things of alignment, of positioning, of inward change before outward change. And there was something I was wrestling with. You ever wrestled with something? 
anybody human and ever wrestled with something. And, and uh, like Jesus in the garden, uh, I'm wrestling with this. It's like, I don't want to do it your way, God, on this. Like, I, I was wounded. I was hurt. There was a situation. You don't need to know the details, but it just bothered me. And it was lingering in my heart. And I knew the path forward is forgiveness, you know, bless those who curse you, you know, pray for those who hurt you, you know, all those kinds of things. I'm like, I know, I know, I know. But I'm like, Lord, if there's any other way. <laughs> it's like, there is no other way. Like, if there's any other way, there is no other way. I know, but if there is another way, and I'm just wrestling with this because I'm trying to, but it just keeps coming up, like how I felt hurt just kept coming up, just kept coming up, it just kept coming up. And it turned over into almost a source of shame for me. Like, why do I keep wrestling with this? Have you ever felt that? Maybe not about like even unforgiveness, maybe it is an addiction, or maybe it is like, I, dadgummit, I know not to do that. And here I am doing it. You know, and we know that this is not an unfamiliar thing to anybody. To, to anybody in this room. It wasn't unfamiliar to the great apostle Paul. He's like, I don't know why I keep doing this. And he actually says in Romans, he's like, I feel like a wretched man sometimes. You ever felt that way? It's like, why do I keep losing my temper? Like, why do I constantly fall in this trap of just vegging out on these apps? Like, why do I keep coming back over into this place where I know God has kind of called me away from that? And the Lord, man, man, he's so good. Aren't you thankful God's good? Like he came and the Holy Spirit just, wrestled, just spoke to me. He said, it's a crucifixion, not a beheading. I never thought of that. It's a crucifixion, not a beheading. A beheading's a quick death, man. You get beheaded, it's lights out, literally, lights out. You're with your maker. You get beheaded, it's over. No coming back from that. Crucifixion is a slow death. It's a wrestle. It's, you think it's dead, and then it comes back. You think it's over, and then it's back to life. It's a slow death. It was slow death, such a slow death that you remember on the cross, they thought, like, we're going to have to come back and break their legs where they can't pull themselves up anymore to stay alive. It's a slow death. And the Lord dealt with my heart, and he's like, Joel, it's a slow death. It's a slow death. And I am honored, Joel, you worshiping me this way by wrestling with this issue in your life, it brings me joy, it brings me pleasure to see you trying to kill it. The try honors God. You sitting there wrestling with it because you want to do his will, it honors God. Oh man, he takes joy in it. Like you actually trying to like honor him with killing something that you know he wants killed in your life and you keep coming back to it with surrender. The surrender honors God. It's a crucifixion, not a beheading. And what he led me in is the same thing I'll lead you in. Just stay on the cross. Just stay on the cross. Take up your cross daily and follow him. The crucifixion, it honors him. It honors the Lord. And Jesus, just like you will, 
works himself up to get on that cross and stay there. He does it with the help of God and the help of friends, and he's there. He's on the cross. You know what he says? His last words, not in life, on the cross. His last words on the cross were what? It is what? Finished. Not I am finished. How many of you know Jesus wasn't finished? But it is finished. Well, that phrase was big in me. It is finished. The thing that God asked me to do, it's finished. The thing that God has asked me to do, it's finished. The thing that I've been wrestling with, it's finished. The thing that God's been working on my heart to do, it's done, it's finished, I've accomplished it, it's over, it is finished. And when Jesus got to that place where it was finished, God got to that place where he highly exalted him and gave him a name that was above every other name. Because you know what? You see this pattern all throughout Scripture. He came to Abraham after it was finished and said, now I know that that you honor me above your son, and now in blessing you, I will bless you. When Moses walked through all of those things he had to walk through, when it was finished, God's power manifested. When Noah built the ark, when it was finished, then the rain came. When they made the valley full of ditches, and it was finished, then God sent the rain. When someone came out and made the prophet a little cake first, when it was finished, then the cruise of oil would not run out and the meal kept expanding. When someone actually launched out into the deep and let their nets down for a drought, when it was finished, that's when they saw the great multitude of fish. When someone filled the water pots up to the brim and drawed it out to the governor of the feast, when it was finished, then they saw water turn into wine. We have a God who worships, who absolutely loves the worship of you and I coming and saying, God, I will wrestle with this for you. It honors him, but when it is finished, when it's not just a wrestle anymore, but when it is done, when it has died, that's when we see God do what he ultimately wants to do. That's when we see miracles. That's when we see God's power, when it is finished. Jesus said this in the book of John, John chapter 14. They'll put it up on the screens. John chapter 12, verily I say unto you, except a corn corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone, but if it die, someone say if it die, 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 it bringeth forth much fruit. He's talking about his own act of obedience, and he's like, if this thing dies, it will bring forth much fruit. If this thing goes into the earth and it dies, It will bring forth much fruit. And in all of our lives, what I believe what God wants to do is he wants to so tenderly and lovingly like show us something in our lives that needs to be finished, something in our lives that needs to be done, and maybe you have been wrestling with it. Man, God absolutely honors the wrestle. He honors the wrestle in ways that you can't even comprehend. The wrestle, it is a worship. But when you work up the courage to just let whatever that thing is die, to be done with it, maybe it's unforgiveness, maybe it's an attitude, maybe it's an action, maybe it's strife, maybe it's unforgiveness, maybe it's faith. Like, I know I've been withholding faith from God. He's asked me to give this. He's asked me to do it, but fear 
has kept me from making the prophet a little cake first. Fear has kept me from launching out into the deep. Maybe it's laziness. Maybe whatever it is, but God's been asking for something. Like for me, God has asked for simple things like my mornings. God has asked me for simple things like pray in the spirit more. God has asked me in times past of like let go of unforgiveness. Forgive some people in your family. Forgive some people in life. And when I look back over years of ministry, what I see is after each one of these instances, small and big things, when they died, except it die, no fruit can be produced. Unless it dies, no fruit can be produced. But when I was willing to kill it as an offering unto the Lord in my life and give him the things that he asked for, when it was finished, I always have seen promotion. And what I wanna do today is to take communion. Worship team, you guys can come back out. I know we're a little long for for this service, but. What I want us to do today when we receive communion is just simply this, it's for us to make a decision that God, you know what, in this season, in this time, I wanna honor you with my worship of coming and getting on the cross and denying myself. But Father, what I wanna do is this year, I wanna finish it. I'm done wrestling with it. I want to finish it. I'm done just just in this garden, like wrestling with my flesh. I want to finish it. I want to get on the cross. I, I, I want to come and have this thing offered to you. I want to make this an act of worship. And what we'll do today in communion is we'll look at the, the, the bread and picture Jesus's body and we'll look at the juice and picture the blood that's been shed for us and remind ourselves that as he became obedient in giving us this, God was able to highly exalt him, highly promote him. And just as he was willing to do it for God, we receive his forgiveness for us. But we also, we come to God and say, just as he did it for you, God, I'll do it for you. Just as he did it for you, God, I will put myself in remembrance of what Jesus did for you and did for me, and I will do the same thing for you, Father. I will offer my life as a living sacrifice. But I want us to also come into faith and say, God, just as you did for Jesus, I'm asking you to do for me. As I come before you and I humble myself, Father, I thank you a new chapter in my life is about to begin where I see your mighty hand on my life like never before. How many of you believe this next decade's gonna be special? Oh, come on, Word of Life. How many of you believe that this next decade, we're gonna see God move like never before? Let me pray over the elements. You can stand during worship and you can take the elements at any time during our worship. Father, we come before you today. We love you, Lord, so much. We thank you, Father, that you give us the courage and the conviction to say, it is finished. Whatever you put on our heart, Lord, whatever you've been leading us in, whatever you've been guiding us in, Father, give us the courage to say, it is finished. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus that you forgive all of our sins and our iniquities. Though our sins may have been red like scarlet, your blood, it washes us whiter than snow. And Father, what we do today is we receive that forgiveness and we place ourselves under your mighty hand in alignment with your plans, your purposes, and your direction for our lives and for this season. 
Father, we thank you. This next decade is gonna be the best decade of our lives. Filled with restoration, filled with signs, wonders, and miracles, filled with provision. Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's worship the Lord today.